Well, we're in a series called Walk This Way, and we've been looking at um, our walk of faith. Now, I want to say this uh, from the beginning here. Today, if, if you have never uh, surrendered your heart and life to our Lord Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do that. Here's the deal. Look at me. You don't have to walk through life all by yourself. In fact, you weren't created to walk by yourself. We were created by God to walk with him. And if you're just tired of doing this all on your own, if you're tired of, of trying and, and knowing, uh, realizing time after time that you just keep finding yourself in dead ends and your life really isn't going anywhere, certainly not going in the direction you want it to, I want to encourage you today, open your heart, invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come in to be your Savior and your Lord. And you know what? He promises he will never leave you or forsake you. He will walk with you all the days of your life. Amen? And if you are, if you've already made that commitment, then what we've been looking at is what does this walk really look like? And where should our focus be? And how do we really walk in a way that maximizes this opportunity and really does live lives that bring honor and glory to God? Well, today I want to talk about something that really is at the heart of the matter. Are you ready? It's all about Jesus. Would you say that with me? It's all about Jesus. Now, say it like you mean it. It's all about Jesus. When you boil down, what does it really mean to be a Christian? Here it is. It's all about Jesus. We overcomplicate this thing way too much. And we've gone this way and that way. And every once in a while, we've got to bring ourselves back to this, uh, this magnetic north that really gets us on the path that we should be on. And if I could just give you one gift in your walk, it would be this, to really lock in on the idea that it really is all about Jesus. I know some of you here in the new year are, are starting, starting like new Bible studies and, and you've got some goals for yourself and your own faith that you want to have. And if I could challenge you to do one thing um, this year, it would be this. Read the Gospels over and over again. Just spend your time in the Gospels over and over again. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. The Gospels will give you all kinds of insight uh, into who he was and what he did and what that speaks to you. I promise you, every single one of us as Christians would be a lot better in our journey if we spent a little bit more time with Jesus along the way. Amen? Being that. Now, I want you to track with me. I want to, want to open this up. Take out your sermon outline. You can, you can track with me. I want you to look at a passage of Scripture where Peter basically gives us this kind of, of, of uh, encouragement. He says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. Now, read it out loud with me. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. You must follow where? In his steps. Now, how many of you have ever read that uh, 100-year-old book called In His Steps? Anybody ever read that, Charles Shelton? Great book. It's the story of what happened to a church and a community when they took seriously this little phrase, what would Jesus do? And they begin to ask that question in their, in their marriages, in their home, in their families, in their business, in their daily interactions, and it transformed them. And you know what? It would transform us if we really took that serious. Now, 
why focus on Jesus? That's where I want to begin on your outline. Why focus on Jesus? Well, there's several reasons. The first one is this. Jesus tells us to follow him. Jesus tells us to follow him. When you read the Gospels and you see Jesus encountering people uh, along the shore of Galilee or in their tax collector booth, um, what did he say to them? It's, it's, It's not a trick question. What did he say? Follow me. Say it again, church. Follow me. Yeah, I know you, I know you got masks on, so just say it loud. Follow me. That's what he said. He didn't say, go study this, or, or go to this school, or go to this university, or read this book. Jesus made it really simple. He said, follow me. That's what he wanted them to do, and you know what? That's what he wants us to do. We focus on Jesus because Jesus teaches us both in his life and his lessons. Jesus teaches us both in his life and his lessons. You know, Jesus modeled for us what it really means to live this Christian life and do it well. I love what the Hebrews writer says. The Hebrews writer says, you know, this Jesus, he was tempted in every single way just like we are. But you know what? He did not sin. He did it perfectly. And so if you want a model of what this life ought to look like, guess what? Look at Jesus. He did it it right. He taught us by his life. And in his teachings, the most profound words you will ever read are the lessons that Jesus taught. They will transform us and end our walk of faith. Thirdly, Jesus is the God you can see. Now, I want to make this connection Because a lot of times people don't get this. Jesus was God in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Colossians says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now, why that's so important is because we, when we think of God, we, we tend to get this real nebulous concept, and we go, man, I wonder, you know, wonder what God would want me to do. I wonder what God would want me to say. Well, if you're really wondering about that, look at Jesus. Read, read about Jesus. Jesus will show you how to talk to people. He'll show you how you interact. He'll tell you how to a- handle your anger, how to handle your hurts. He'll tell you how to handle it when people are persecuting you. He'll, he'll talk to you about how you spend your money. Jesus will give you. If you want to know what God thinks about all the things you're doing, just read about Jesus. Because Jesus was God in the flesh. Amen? Say it a little louder. Amen? Amen. There you go. Believe it or not, Jesus is what this world needs. Jesus is what this world needs. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that you know that what the world needs is not more of you? How many of you would say, yeah, how many of you are sure it's not more of the person sitting next to you? You know that for a fact, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not, Jesus, the world doesn't need more of you. I love you, but it doesn't need more of you. You know what? It doesn't need more of me either. What this world needs, folks, is Jesus. He is what they are looking for. He is the missing ingredient in their life. He's what's missing in our our world, in our country, in our homes, and in our personal lives. Jesus is what this world needs. We need to be able to give him to them. 
And here's the fifth one, and this kind of gets to the heart of it. Jesus' plan, his plan was to live in us and through us. You see, Jesus knew that what the world needed was him. But he came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and he went away. But he left his spirit so that his spirit could live in us and live through us. Here's the deal. Look at me. Don't miss this. The plan of Jesus was that when the world sees you, they see him. When, you, when they hear you speak, they hear him speak. That was Jesus' plan. Jesus said, you know, by, by this will all men know that you're truly my disciples if you show love like I showed love. If you act like I act, if you do what I did, you are to be living, breathing agents and ambassadors for our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You betcha. C.S. Lewis, got to love him. Great quote. He said, Jesus came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other men the kind of life he has. I love this. By what I call a good infection. (laughs) That's so great. Read this next part out loud with me. Every Christian is becoming a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. Let that sink in. The whole purpose of Jesus coming and leaving his spirit is so that when you get up and you leave this place, when you go to wherever you're going to go to eat lunch today, that you will be the living, breathing representative of Jesus Christ wherever you are. That when your waitress waits on you, they'll encounter Jesus. That when you go to the bank, your teller will encounter Jesus. When you go to Walmart and hang out with all of the weird people, those weird people will encounter Jesus. That's his plan. That's his purpose. And that's supposed to be our walk. That's why Peter says, here's what you need to do. Walk in his steps. Follow in his footprints. Amen. Now, let me just give you a few words to think about um, as you think about walking in Jesus's footprints. You ready? Here's the first. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Come on, it's just us. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that you get distracted easily? Yeah, how many of you are a little ADD? Come on, come on, come on. There we go. I wanted to wait, waiting for the lady on the front row to hold up her hand. <laughs> My wife, I'm telling her all the time, she's ADD. You know, she's not been diagnosed with that, but I probably. My wife, Wanda can sit on, we can be sitting on the couch, and Wanda can think of something in our bedroom that she needs. She'll get up off the couch, head toward the bedroom, and she'll see something in the kitchen that she forgot to put away. And so she'll veer into the kitchen and she'll put that away and see a couple of other things that needs to get done. So she'll do all of those kinds of little things, and then she'll come back to the couch. And I'll say, did you get what you were looking for? Oh, I forgot. And so she'll get back up off the couch, head back toward the bedroom. She'll go through the family room, see some toys that our our grandkids left out, start putting those toys away, start straightening things up, and then come back to the couch. And I'll say, did you get what you, oh, I forgot to get, what's happening to that? That's not, that's just not us growing older and, and, you know, losing memory. That's about the fact that it's so easy to get distracted by the things around you. 
And it's so, it's so funny. If you, want, if you want to watch how easy we get distracted, watch people on their cell phones. How often do you see people not paying attention to each other, not paying attention in church, not paying attention, you know, we're even driving? How many? Come on, I'm not going to ask for hands of texting drivers because I'd have to raise my hand. You know, we, we get distracted from important things. I was going to show a video, and John and I decided we, we, we couldn't because it would probably get kicked off the, our live stream because it's copyrighted. But go to YouTube. I, I just go to YouTube sometimes. If you want some amusement, go to YouTube and just punch up, uh, you know, punch in about people walking and texting. And you'll see these incredible videos of people who, this gal who's walking through a mall and she's so focused on her phone, she walks right into a fountain, you know, just falls into a fountain. Or a lady walking down the street and she's texting and she's just totally not paying attention. And she, there's an open, like an open door on the sidewalk, and she walks right into it, falls over the open door and into this hole. Or a guy who's walking along, and he's not paying attention, and he falls down a whole flight of steps. A woman who walks into a car, guy who walks into the side of a building, people who are walking into poles. Now, I know that's never happened to any of you, but we do get distracted, don't we? And here's the deal. We get distracted from focusing on Jesus. And we get distracted by several things. I love what he, Hebrews writers it gives us a reminder. There, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It's on your outline. Read it with me. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, I thought about what do we get distracted by? Let me just give you three. I know there are a lot more. Let me just give you three that I've noticed and you can write in your own, okay? Here's the first one. Don't get distracted by people. Don't get distracted by people. And you can get distracted by people a lot of different ways. Sometimes in our walk of faith, we, uh, we, we encounter difficult people in the faith. How many of you have ever run into a difficult person in the church? Yeah, or more. They're there. Sometimes people can be mean. Sometimes, and you know what happens? Instead of really focusing on Jesus, we focus on these people who don't always act like Jesus. And then we become disheartened and we say, well, if that's how you know, Christians are, I'm not going to church. Well, Jesus never said follow them. He said follow me. I remember my pastor saying when I was growing up, if a hypocrite comes between you and going to church, the hypocrite's closer to God than you are. And I thought, oh, that stings a little bit. We do. We get to, and sometimes we, sometimes we look at people, we get foc, you know, focused on people because we see people who are also on this journey of faith, and we see you know, God doing things for them that he hasn't done for us. And we start pouting sometimes like little kids and going, well, why is God blessing them? You know, they don't deserve to get blessed like that. How come that, that happened for them and that hasn't happened for me? And, and, and it's like, well, you know, why are you focusing on them? This is your own personal journey. You have no idea why they need that. God knows what you need. Can I give you one more with that? Sometimes, look at me, sometimes people become our God. Come on. Sometimes people become our God. Sometimes we become so obsessed in our relationships with people that we move God out of first place and we put people in. Are you hearing me? Don't get distracted by people. Don't get distracted by personal desires. Don't get distracted by personal desires. And there's a lot of them. 
things that we like, we can get, we can get uh, consumed by advancing on our career. We can get uh, obsessed with our hobbies. Uh, we can get obsessed with a lot of different things. And, and all these things in the world, you know what? We get distracted by. Jesus had commented several times in, in his teaching about people who get distracted about, by riches and money. And he's talking about, you know, he said, you know, people get consumed with all this stuff. And he goes, you know, you save it all up. And guess what? You're not going to take it with you when you die. You're going to make all this money for somebody else. And you're going to have given your life to something that's not going to take you in to eternity. He said, it's so easy to get distracted by personal desires. Can I give you a third one? And I think this one is really uh, appropriate for today's times. Don't get distracted by popular issues. Don't get distracted by popular issues. I put a statement that I want you to just think about this week. It's from Jim Collins in his, in his book, Good to Great. He said, good is the enemy of great. Now, here's what I mean. There are a lot of good causes out there. There are a lot of good things that we can give time and attention to. Uh, some of us like to give uh, time and attention to Christians and politics. Some of us like to give time and attention to social causes. Some of us get, like to give time and attention to you know, various kinds of things like that. Some of us like to really get focused on certain pieces of theology like end times and what's going to happen when Jesus comes back or, or we get fixated on you know, in certain pieces that we like to study. And, and again, hear my heart. Look at me. Hear my heart. All of those are good things. They're just not the great thing. And all of those are okay if you keep them in proper perspective. But don't forget this. When it comes back to our walk of faith, when it comes back to what it really means to be a Christian, when it comes back to what we're supposed to be all about, it's all about? It's all about who? Jesus. Jesus. And that's what I want to keep bringing us back to. Because good could sometimes be the enemy of great when we lose our focus off of Jesus. Second thing I would say to you today is don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Um, can we be honest? This last year was a hard year. It was a hard year. Um, you know, lots of stuff coming at us, this whole pandemic thing. I think we're all just sick of it. Um, you know, this, all the stuff that we went through, economics, job loss, so many of us. Man, I sat on the couch with Wanda the other night, and I, I just started crying. Because I found out that day I'd lost yet two more friends to this whole COVID disease. And it just, it's, it's broken our hearts and it takes the wind out of us and it can steal our joy. And along the way, hear my heart, along the way, it's real easy to start becoming fixated on the problems of this world rather than the person of Jesus Christ. And when you stare at the problems, the problems just become bigger. When you focus on Jesus, the problems start becoming smaller. Now, life is going to be hard. Jesus told us that, and we've got to prepare ourselves for it. But we have to not allow that discouragement to get in the way of following him. I love what he says in, in Luke chapter 9. He says, the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. Talking about what he was going to go through. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And then he said to this crowd, read it with me, church. 
If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Don't get discouraged. I saw this last week when I was looking at some different images, and I just thought this was so cool. Throw that up on the screen for me. Disappointments are just God's way of saying, I've got something better. Now, I love these two little phrases at the end. Read them out loud with me. Be patient, have faith, trust God. Read them again. Be patient, have faith, trust God. All together now. Be patient, have faith, trust God. Wouldn't it be great if we just lived that way? Don't get discouraged. Let me give you one more. Don't become divisive. Don't allow yourself to become divisive. Again, this is one of the great tricks of the enemy, is especially when we're growing in our faith. Look at me. And we get excited about getting growing in our faith. And when we're excited about growing in our faith, sometimes it's easy for us to begin to think, well, everybody ought to be growing like I'm growing. And then everybody ought to be doing what I'm doing. And everybody ought to believe like I believe. But what we discover is that God works with all of us a little bit differently. And just because somebody's walk doesn't look like your walk, it doesn't mean they're walking wrong. And just because somebody believes something a little different than what you believe, it doesn't mean that their beliefs are necessarily are wrong. Now, again, I, I hope that you have a good, strong sense of theology. I hope you know what you believe and why you believe it. But just because somebody believes it a little bit differently, if they are declaring Jesus as Lord and God is our Father and Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, then stop majoring on the minors and let's just agree together God's going to sort all this stuff out in the end. I just believe with all of my heart, there are going to be a lot of us when we get to heaven are going to be surprised by seeing some people that we didn't think would be there. And you know what? There are going to be people who are going to be surprised that you're there. It's so funny how easy it is for us to become divisive. I love what Jesus said, Luke chapter 9. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons. Now, look at the good work they're doing. They're casting out demons in the name of Jesus, but we told them to stop. Why? Because he isn't in our group. Well, la-di-da, you know. He isn't in our group. But Jesus said what? Read it with me, church. Don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. Man, if I could give one gift to the church abroad, it would be this gift. Stop thinking of other churches as your competition. I had somebody ask me, Westmore Community is building a new church right across the street. They're moving down the street from where they were at, at, by, by Westmore High School. And uh, so funny because I've, I've had actually a few people who have asked me, Pastor, how do you feel about another church going in across the street? And I've said, why would I care if another church went in across the street? 
You know, when I, I did the demographics before I ever moved back to Oklahoma City, there are 17 other churches within a mile of where our church is at Chartel. Why would I be worried about somebody moving in across the street? They are not our competition. We're not here trying to steal people from other churches. We're here to reach people that are far from God. And churches, two churches arguing over who's going to reach the unchurched in their community, that's like two ants arguing over who's going to eat the elephant. Because there is plenty there for all of us. Amen? It was so funny. Um, uh, some years ago, I was doing some teaching with a group of pastors in um, down, back east in the state. And I was talking about reaching our communities for Christ. And I was uh, really appealing to churches to think about doing church planting at that time in that, in that area. Uh, because there's just such great opportunity when you plant a new church for reaching people far from God. And, um, and it's so funny how the idea of somebody planting a church is so annoying to some pastors who are really territorial. It's just, it's just so funny. And, and I'll never forget, um, I was doing a Q&A and there was this pastor who uh, raised his hand and he said, well, Pastor Steve, he said, he said you, were, uh, you were talking about planting, planting churches. And I said, yeah. He said, well, what would you say if, if I wanted to come to your town and plant a church? I'd say, well, come on. He goes, well, what if I wanted to plant my church across the street from your church? I'd say, well, come on. He said, well, what if some of your people want to leave your church and come to my church? I said, you know what? If I can hand pick them, I'll help them pack. Now, some of you are going to get that about 2 o'clock this afternoon. That's going to sink in. Some of you are going to be thinking, I wonder if he would pick me. I don't know. And you're probably right. <laughs> My wife often says, Steve, I don't know why anybody likes you. <laughs> I don't either. You know, I was so proud um, of a good buddy this last week. Um, Jim Ward, who goes to our church, Jim and Lisa and their family. Dean, Jim's brother, Dean, is a pastor back in New Kensington, Pennsylvania. Dear friend of mine that I've done a lot of mentoring with. And they, they did a news article um, about this pastor. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That uh, guy right there, that's, that's Fred Neal. Fred is planting a church in, um, or moving a church to Lower Burrow, Pennsylvania, which bumps up against New Kensington. Uh, Fred and his church bought an existing church that had, um, had, had quit. Um, they had, had sold their building and all, and they bought it. And now they're doing some renovation to do, start a non-denominational church there in the area uh, for people and really do modern worship and really encourage this community to come to Christ. And, and uh, it, it's, it's kind of, a, kind of a cool thing. Well, again, this... Lower Borough is right next to New Kensington, and there are a lot of pastors who are really, um, you know, afraid, you know, and territorial about that. But it was so cool, and the reason the newspaper, the Tribune, was interviewing Dean and, and Fred was because they're going to open this in, in Easter as, as they get the renovations done. But Dean had met Fred, found out he was planting this church and starting this church right next to his community. Dean said to the paper, he said, you know, 15, 17 years ago, when, when Dean, Dean said, when we planted the river here in New Kensington, he said, there were several churches who came alongside of us, helped us, assisted us, and gave us money. 
And so we feel like it's our responsibility to pay that forward by coming alongside of Restoration Church and doing the same. So Dean and his congregation did this year-end giving push to raise some money for their church, but they also raised $5,500 to give to Restoration Church. And Pastor Fred, he was just blown away that another pastor so close would be willing to help them succeed. And what Dean said was, you know what? We're all about the business of advancing the kingdom. And this church is a part of the kingdom, so when they win, we win. Oh, people, I wish every church had that kind of mentality. Life is too troublesome and life is too short for us to be divisive. Amen? Amen. One last one. Don't be defeated. Don't be defeated. Everybody say out loud, I will not quit. Now I want you to say it again like you mean it. Everybody say it together again. I will not quit. One more. I will not quit. There you go. And that's the kind of mentality that I want you to have because here's what I can tell you. The moment you leave this service today, the enemy is going to do every single thing he can in his power to make you give up. I know for a fact there are several of us this last year under the weight of all that we were going through that just wanted to give up and say, why am I trying? I know that there are some of you who have tried in your walk of faith and you have fallen again and again and again. Some of you have tried to follow God and you've drained and you've fallen. Some of you have tried to keep your life together and it's fallen apart. Some of you have tried to stay holy and you have sinned. And it's so easy when we fail like that to grow discouraged. Proverbs says, though a righteous man fall seven times, yet will he rise. Be that one. Be that person. I love what Paul wrote to the church in, 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 in Romans 8, 20, 8, 37. Read it with me. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Look at me, and that's you. If you are in Christ, you are more than a conqueror. Anybody else in the room, Oklahoma City Thunder fans? Ah, come on, Kevin, hold your hand up. Houston Rocket fan, you, yeah, 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 yeah. I love, I love the Oklahoma City. I love the Oklahoma City Thunder. I have since I moved here. Um, I was one of my great dreams when I moved back to Oklahoma City was Oklahoma City had their own pro basketball team, and I, I, I tape every game. I watch every game. Um, I sometimes watch some of the games twice because I just can't get enough. Anybody see the game Oklahoma City played last Friday night against the Chicago Bulls? Anybody watch that game? I was, it was so, it was so good. Oklahoma City is in a rebuilding year. We don't have any superstars. Um, all the big names are gone. Kevin Durant's gone. Uh, James Harden's gone. Russell Westbrook's gone. We've got a whole bunch of very young, uh, look at me. We've got a whole bunch of very young guys who don't know any better than to just go out and play their hearts out. Like this game is fun. And Oklahoma City wasn't supposed to do anything this year. They won't be a playoff contender. They, won't, they don't have the kind of talent. But it's been remarkable to me to watch these guys, game after game, go out and just give their all. And Friday night, I'm watching this game against the Chicago Bulls. And the Chicago Bulls, you know, they've got Zach Levine, who's a great superstar. And they've got great shooters. And they were just 
burying the Thunder in the first half. And the Thunder got down by 22 points. And it was one of those games that could have easily ended up, you know, they could have just got completely blown out. But the third quarter comes, and guess what? These Oklahoma City Thunder guys, they come out. This no-name bunch of guys start playing hustle defense. They're diving on the floor after balls. They're getting steals. And little by little, they're chipping away at the game until the very end. Guess what? They tie it, and they send the game into overtime. And the Oklahoma City Thunder won. Come on, give them a round of applause. Yeah! They won. That's our team. They won. They came from 22 points down with no superstars to win this game. You know why? Because they just wouldn't quit. They just wouldn't quit. And I thought, my God, what would happen for us if we took that approach to our walk of faith? Look at me. Do you know how powerful you really are? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. The enemy cannot beat you. He just wants to make you give up. And I just want to say, don't do it. Don't you do it. I've read the end of the book. We win. Amen? We win. Chuck, come on out. I'm going to have Chuck come back. And um, there's an old chorus that I just absolutely love. And I, I want this to be our declaration song today. Um, it's an old song that says, I have decided to do what? Follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. There is no turning back. Chuck's going to lead us in that song. And then I, I want to pray. But as you sing it, don't just mouth the words. Let this come from your heart. Let this be your demonstrative prayer of faith that says, God, I've gotten distracted. I've been discouraged. Sometimes I've gotten selfish and been divisive. Sometimes, honestly, God, I've wanted to quit. But I'm not going to. I've decided today to follow Jesus and there'll be no turning back let that be your song your declaration and your prayer Father that's our declaration today with all of our hearts and all that we are as we leave this place in spite of the distractions in spite of the discouragement in spite of the things that try to pull our attention Lord we're going we're gonna to fix our eyes on Jesus this week we're going to keep our eyes on you. We're going to see what you do. We're going to hear what you say. We're going to live how you would want us to live. Father, I pray for each and every person. You know their walk. You know what they're facing. You know what they're going through. You know the deceptions the enemy is trying to bring at them, to discourage them, to pull them aside, or to make them want to give up. But I pray today, oh God, that we would take hold of you with two hands of faith and that we would never let go. That we would live just like we sang. That though no, none go with me, though the world gets in front of me, no matter what happens, I'm going to follow Jesus. He alone is the author and the finisher 
of my faith. Father, with all that we are, with all that we have, in every place we go, will you help us this week to walk in your steps. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said together, amen, amen.